You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Chipotle Chair and CEO Brian Nickel joins Washington Post Live to discuss the path forward for restaurants and the state of the labor market as the recent surge in COVID-19 cases poses a risk to the economy. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Heather Long, an economics correspondent here at The Post. And today we're talking about the path forward for the restaurant industry. It was clearly one of the hardest hit during the pandemic, but we've seen a nice surge this spring and summer as people are eager to get out again to dine with family and friends. But challenges remain. We've got the Delta variant that is spooking some people. We've also got ongoing challenges with hiring and with supply chains and with price increases, especially for food. So to make sense of all of this, of these challenges and opportunities, we are excited to be joined today by none other than the CEO of Chipotle, Brian Nickel. Welcome to Post Live, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start with the Delta variant. It's on everybody's minds right now. I'm curious to hear, have you all seen any slowdown in foot traffic in in your restaurants? Uh, We have not seen an impact yet on uh, the consumer showing up to restaurants. Uh, It's definitely, I think, weighing on people's minds though. We're seeing in data, you know, probably about two or three weeks ago, um, COVID seemed to be something that people felt was definitely getting behind them. Now it is definitely in back in front of them, and uh, hopefully more people take action on the vaccine front. Yeah. And what about any change in hiring or, or in workers maybe being a little bit more reluctant to apply to, to your job openings? You know, actually what we've seen is, uh, at least in our company, and I think I'm seeing this probably across the industry, is uh, obviously as people have contact with COVID, you're seeing more employees being excluded from work. Uh, Fortunately, with all the incentives we've put out, as well as the wages and benefits and the career opportunity, we've kept a really good stream of candidates, uh, both applying as well as then keeping uh, our great employees uh, with us. So we're not seeing a major impact on applicate applicant flow or retention of employees. The impact we're seeing right now is exclusions just from people either having contact with COVID or or they themselves having COVID. Got it. Uh, And what about um, masks? Your company policy is to, for the employees to wear masks at all times, and it's recommended for customers to wear masks. Why not make customers have to wear masks as well? Yeah, so obviously we, we want to make sure we've got the safety of our employees uh, at the front, which is ensuring that they are wearing masks and we're practicing all the best practices we can uh, to keep people safe from COVID. On the customer front, we are recommending they wear masks. You know, we're, we're not looking for our employees to police people's behaviors on this front. Um, you know, the sign's posted right in the front of the door. So when you walk through, it's pretty clear our preference is you wear a mask. Also. Fortunately for Chipotle, a lot of our transactions um, happen, you know, pretty quick. So it is an order ahead through the mobile um, app where you just come in, grab your food and go. Or if you do go down the line, there is pretty good social distance between the employee and the customer that's ordering their food. And then most of the folks uh, still are taking their food out of the restaurant. So 
we feel like there's a lot of things in place with all the practices we've been executing. Uh, obviously, we still are recommending people wear masks, but we're not asking our employees to police it. And and what about obviously different policies, as you know, are in place in different parts of the country. I'm sitting here in Washington, D.C., where we are now required to wear masks indoors again, including at restaurants. Uh, how has that been for you to have to adjust to all these different policies uh, as, as this Delta variant rises again? Yeah, look, it's a it's, it's tough, uh, especially when you've got restaurants in just about every state and every county and those rules continue to move around. Um, but we've got a great team. We have a task force that you know, has been in place for the last 18 months, meets just about every day, twice a day, ensuring that we are following all the local rules. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a moving target, but uh, luckily we have an organization of people that are flexible enough uh, to stay in front of it. And then we've got great communication channels with our team members at every restaurant so that we ensure people are following whatever the latest direction is. But would your preference be to have masks back in the way that Washington DC is requiring it across the country? You know, my preference would be everybody gets vaccinated and we move on. Uh, you know, that, that would be the ideal scenario here. Um, and I know people have to get to a certain level of comfort in order to uh, step forward, I guess, and get the vaccine. but. I think it continues to prove that the vaccine is effective. Um, you know, it's definitely got less risk than getting COVID. Um, you know, it, based on everything I'm reading and the people I get to talk to, I'm not an expert in it, but I try to be very well informed. So hopefully where we get to is a really good place in the vaccination rates and we can get back to, you know, socializing uh, the way we used to socialize. Yeah, speaking of vaccines, you all generated a lot of buzz in July when I think it was a, um, an incentive for customers to get vaccinated with your burrito, you know, buy one, get one free if, if you're yeah. vaccinated. Uh, certainly that was popular. Uh, I'm curious, are, are you all planning to require your employees to be vaccinated? We have taken that step at the Washington Post, you know, given what you've just said about the importance of vaccines. Will you take that step for your employees? You know, what we are uh, waiting on is for the final approval uh, for the vaccine. And then uh, where I think we're leaning towards is in order to be able to come back to the office, be able to come together in big gatherings, which, you know, in not too distant future, we bring together 4,000 employees for an event. In order to attend that event, we're going to have to have everybody vaccinated to ensure it's safe. So um, once the vaccine gets to approval, I think it just gives us a lot more, uh, I think, latitude in ensuring that every employee is vaccinated before they can come to the office, before they can come uh, to large gatherings. And uh, our company, you know, obviously wants everybody to be safe and be doing the best thing possible for their health and well-being. So it sounds like you anticipate it will happen at some point, but no immediate plans. I, I think that's exactly right. Um, can I ask about New York City? You know, they've taken the step now of saying that they want people to be vaccinated and that in order to even go to a restaurant uh, or inside a store, uh, by the middle of September, you would need to have at least one dose of the vaccine. You know, is it feasible? You've talked about you don't want your employees to have to police masks. Is this feasible to have your staff or somebody at your restaurants and stores doing this? 
You know, uh, that's a great question. Obviously, this just came out pretty recent, and uh, we're working through how we actually uh, comply with this. Um, you know, obviously, we, we will do everything we can to comply. Um, you know, I'm, we're trying to figure out if there's a technology solution for this. You know, what is going to be the path to ensure that customers that are coming into your restaurant uh, are vaccinated? You know, we have solutions that we can put in place to ensure that all our employees that are working have at least one dose or have taken, you know, um, the other mitigating factors into place so that they are safe to work. I'm assuming as this law gets figured out, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do people that just medically can't take a vaccine or have a reason why they can't take a vaccine. We can't just exclude them from the from working. Um, so I'm, there's still more to be figured out on this, um, but it's not going to be a very simple execution. Um, and I think we're going to have to figure it out. It's it's going to be tricky though. And does it feel like you're able to I don't know negotiate and talk through these issues with the city of New York? Or are they being understanding and and what you're saying and solutions that you and others are proposing? You know, uh, I've not had a chance to talk to anybody that's involved with this. Obviously, we have um, our folks that are reaching out to hopefully provide feedback, and I I'm hopeful that uh, they'll take our feedback so that we can get an outcome that is executable and repeatable. Um, does us no good to put something in place that can't be executed. Yeah. And it sounds like it would just be too onerous to have to have somebody standing at the door, sort of checking people's cards or photos of their, their cards. I was just at Shakespeare in the park in New York, and that's what they did. They had an employee well, that was yeah. standing there. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it, it, that could be the simple solution is we're just gonna have to put somebody at the door. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting is not all restaurants have that person, um, you know, a hostess or, you know, someone that greets people at the door. So we will have to figure out who that position would go to. Um, and if that is the path forward, what is going to be the piece that people need to show so that we know it's valid? Um, yeah. So, you know, so there, there's still a lot of things to figure out. I, obviously, uh, it's something that is going to require some thinking um, if we want it to be truly executable. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to shift gears and ask you about supply chains and inflation. We just saw the latest inflation data this morning. You know, certainly prices are high, especially food prices. Uh, food at restaurants up um, close to 5% over last year. And you all have raised prices, I believe, about 4% this summer. Um, you know, are you still struggling with any getting any of the supplies that you need right now? I was just at a Chipotle a couple of weeks ago and they didn't they ran out of guacamole. It may have been uh, a temporary thing, but there was certainly some rioting in the line. Um, you know, are you seeing any supply chain issues right now? You know, look, the supply chain is still tight. Um, what we're dealing with more than anything else, frankly, is that a lot of our suppliers um, they're still struggling with staffing to, you know, basically pull together the goods that they then need to provide us. So whether that's, you know, chicken uh, or, you know, packaging avocados, you know, we're seeing, uh, fortunately for us, no um, shortages, uh, but we do continue to hear there's a lot of pressure um, and people are doing everything they can to ensure companies like ours don't run out of products. but. We're definitely not past 
this discussion where, you know, it's a weekly conversation to figure out, okay, how do we keep our supply chain going? Uh, we don't want to run out of any products. I'm sorry to hear we were out of guacamole. That sounds like that was more of a store issue than a supply chain issue, though, would be my guess. Um, so, you know, trade is still tricky and uh, getting workers is still tricky. And while that continues to go, uh, it's going to continue to be a tight supply chain. Yeah. Can I ask directly, are you anticipating any more price increases this year for your company? You know, we don't have anything planned, um, but obviously we are keeping a close eye on what is happening with all of our costs. Um, and then subsequently we'll take action if we need to. You know, fortunately for Chipotle, we have a really good value proposition. So we do have pricing power. Uh, so if we needed to pull that lever, we feel like we could. Uh, I'd prefer not to. Um, you know, I'd love to find other places to offset the costs so that we don't have to impact ultimately the purchase price of our burritos and bowls. But, you know, sometimes there comes a point where you have no other lever to pull than the pricing lever. And nothing's planned right now, but we'll see how the rest of the year unfolds. Yeah. One thing I know for sure is everything is uh, continuing to be unpredictable. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's I was yeah. struck by a comment that you made um, recently that uh, you and your executives, um, we, that you saw very little price resistance, or very little resistance to the price increase. Basically, people didn't shout at you or didn't, you know, sort of react super negatively. Was that surprising? Were you, you know, were you anticipating a little bit more pushback? You know, look, uh, nobody likes pricing to go up. Uh, but fortunately, as I mentioned, we have a great value proposition. When you look at the customization, the quantity of food that you're able to get, and then the quality of our food, uh, people realize it's, it's a heck of a value when you're buying a chicken burrito for less than $8. And so, yeah, we had to take the prices up. But for the most part, our chicken burrito, with the exception of maybe like Washington, D.C. or New York City, some of the higher cost markets, still is below $8. So it's still a tremendous value. That's why we didn't see really major resistance. Um, you know, and we do everything we can to keep it a great value while not giving up on having food with integrity and, you know, pushing our food ethos forward. So uh, people appreciate it. And uh, I think they really like the fact that the food's delicious and they can feel good about the food that they're eating. Uh, I'd like to ask you about wages. Uh, you, uh, your company made a lot of waves earlier this summer when you uh, increased the average pay uh, to $15, so up about $2 in many parts of the country. What happened after you raised those prices? Uh, excuse me, the wages. Wages, yeah. So, uh, you know, look, one of the things that was clear to us is the business was just responding as COVID requirements were being uh, lifted. Okay. And our current employees were getting overwhelmed by the amount of demand they were dealing with. And we were having a hard time attracting new employees to start working. And what we didn't want to have happen is we burn out our existing employees. So, you know, we've got great benefits, right? We have debt-free degrees. We've got mental health uh, benefits. Um, you know, we've got a great purpose for our employees. But one thing that came back was, hey, look, we need to increase wages if we want to get people to come back to the restaurant industry uh, for a myriad of reasons. And when that became clear, we decided to move the wages up um, to be on average $15. And fortunately, the combination of that starting wage was very compelling. The great 
benefits and then the opportunity where in like two or three years, you can find yourself running a Chipotle restaurant making over $100,000. Um, that resulted in a lot of people applying and a lot of people getting hired. And also really importantly, uh, it took a lot of the pressure off our existing employees. So it made their job much more tolerable. Hmm. Uh, as you noted, the average is 15. Some employees uh, earn less than that. Uh, I believe 11 maybe is your bottom point. Uh, why not take everybody to at least 15? You know, I think what will happen is over time, wages will continue to rise. But what we always look at is the marketplace, what's competitive to get, um, you know, the starting employee that we need. And uh, that varies by market, you know, in markets like New York City and D.C., we're paying well above $15 as a starting uh, wage. So uh, we always want to be competitive. What we find in the market is we're usually the leader and uh, we like that position and we'll continue to be a, a, a leader in wages as well as total opportunity. And that's what really matters to the employee. What we hear over and over again is they want a great opportunity to start and where that opportunity can lead them to. And uh, so that's that's really the path we've been on. As you likely know well, uh, President Biden has been vocally supportive of a $15 minimum wage. Uh, would you support that nationwide or would you have concerns about that number? You know, look, if that's what ultimately um, needs to be done, uh, fortunately for us, I think if we stage that in the way it's been staged in a lot of other com you know, communities or you know, counties, uh, it's definitely something that can be executed. Uh, it's hard to just throw a switch, though, and uh, change wages to a new minimum wage that moves, you know, in a dramatic fashion. But, uh, you know, if that's where we need to get to in order to ensure employees have a great um, experience, we'll figure out how we get there. Um, you know, we've always figured out how to invest in our people and we'll continue to do that. And what about, are your referral bonuses, I believe it was about $200 at one point, are those still in place and have you done any retention bonuses? So our uh, referral bonuses are still in place. And, uh, you know, actually it's one of those things that we've always had a referral bonus program. We just didn't probably market it as aggressively as we should with our employees. So we just ratcheted up the communication so they understood that existed. And then we always have for our employees a quarterly bonus. So that's not a new program. And even during COVID, we honored uh, paying out all those quarterly bonuses. Uh, we thought it was the right thing to do for our employees. Uh, they were performing in a big way, even though our results uh, weren't what we initially set before we knew we were going to be dealing with COVID in 2020. And, uh, you know, obviously we're trying to set targets in 2021 anticipating where we think COVID will be. So um, we continue to pay quarterly bonuses, which uh, is a big incentive for our employees. And obviously everybody loves to get a bonus. I'd like to switch gears and ask you about innovation. Uh, it's you know pretty remarkable. I think in your last results, you were talking about about half of the orders coming through in a digital format, either through your apps or your channels or through like a DoorDash. Uh, you've also innovated with Chipotle Lanes, the drive-through type concept. Yeah. Uh, how much of this do you think sticks around or is it likely to fade as, as people you know, maybe return to walking in in person? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, here to stay. You know, and what we've seen is our business reopens, uh, our dining rooms reopen, people get back to, you know, kind of their daily mobility. We're definitely seeing increases in our lunch dining room business. But, you know, the access that we've created with digital 
uh, is very convenient. Uh, it serves different occasions. And what we hear from consumers is they love that access for those occasions and the convenience, customization, and quality of food for those occasions. So um, I think it stays. You know, uh, probably the absolute percentage will change, but the absolute dollars I think will hold and we'll just keep growing from here. Um, you know, consumers continue to tell us they want, you know, additional access, whether that's more physical restaurants or more access from our physical restaurants. Uh, another potential change we're seeing is obviously the Senate it just passed this infrastructure bill that uh, was much lauded in a bipartisan way. Um, there's now debate on uh, a second sort of infrastructure or budget reconciliation package. Um, part of that would require an increase in corporate taxes from maybe 21% to 25 or 28%. You know, Chipotle, you all have been very open that your tax rate went down after the 2017 tax cuts. Um, you know, would you be okay or support going to 25 or 28, or would that be a real concern for you? You know, look, I mean, we are pretty much a U.S. company. Uh, so all of our restaurants, you know, we have, what, 2,900 restaurants. Um, you know, we have about 25 restaurants in Canada and a dozen restaurants in uh, between France and the U.K. Um, so obviously, we've always paid taxes in the U.S. Um, we'll continue to pay taxes in the U.S. If it does increase, um, you know, it will have an impact on, obviously, uh, some of our earnings. Um, and we'll manage accordingly. You know, one of the things that we've continued to say is, uh, whatever the policy may be, uh, we'll figure out how to continue to stay true to our purpose of cultivating a better world and bringing people food with integrity. Um, you know, obviously when the tax rate got lowered, we benefited because we're predominantly a U.S. company. If the tax rate goes up, um, you know, it'll have a little bit of an impact on our earnings, but we're going to continue to grow just the same way we've always grown. Will continue to stay after making great burritos for people really quickly. It doesn't change what we do, um, you know, and we'll we'll plan accordingly. So it sounds like you don't think it would make it would be too much of an anti-competitive measure to go a little bit higher if they decide that that's the right policy. Yeah, I don't see it as an anti-competitive issue for us. Um, you know, again, um, our business is not like everybody else's. Um, we're, we're a company with no debt and a really strong balance sheet. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to perform. Um, that, that's what we'll do. Uh, I wanted to ask you about workers. You know, you mentioned that many of the benefits, not just the rising pay, but uh, the mental health, which has been huge, obviously, lately, that you all offer some 401k, some um, education benefits that are certainly helping to attract younger and probably mid-career workers. Um, you know, but your company has also been uh, had a few pretty prominent lawsuits. There was the 10,000 workers who sued the company in 2016 for wage theft, where they weren't didn't, weren't being paid fairly, and more recently, the city of New York has. A lawsuit against you all over um, the fair fair work week law, where people they say your company is not um, you know is not scheduling people properly and giving them enough advance notice. Uh, what changes are you making at the company to ensure that workers are treated in the way that that you want to see them be treated, that their schedules are laid out clearly, and that they are certainly getting paid for the time they put in? 
Yeah, look, absolutely. Every employee at our company that works for Chipotle, we want to ensure they get paid for the time they work. And we also want to ensure that the job they have is a great job that not only gets them trained and, you know, demonstrates they have the ability to be successful in their role, but also sets them up for potentially where their ambitions take them. So, you know, uh, that's what we're focused on. We're investing in technology. We're investing in, obviously, uh, the right uh, standards and practices and training to ensure that uh, all the different regulatory environments we comply with and that our employees have a great work experience and they get compensated accordingly. Um, you know, there is there is no magical trick to this. We want to hire great people. We want to compensate them effectively, and we want to see them grow with our company. It's that simple. And I guess, do you think that the New York City lawsuit is not correct, or do you think there's some merit to what they're saying? Well, look, I, I think, first of all, what we want to do in New York City is we want to hire great people. We want to have them have schedules that they can work. If they need to change the schedule, you know, we want to give them the flexibility to change the schedule and we'll figure out how to, you know, comply with the law. Um, we're going to follow the law. That is, that's always our commitment. Um, and, you know, what we want to do is we want to employ people that want to work at Chipotle. If they don't like working at Chipotle, obviously they have the ability to, you know, leave our company. But uh, I prefer to give them a great work experience, a great culture, um, so that they can, you know, start with us, grow with us, and hopefully uh, really be proud to be a part of our company. And lastly, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about a number of popular menu items. I'm curious, though, to hear what's your typical order at Chipotle? Are you a bowl person, a burrito person? Uh, what's your order? Yeah, so I, I usually go with the bowl, and I'm a big fan of our barbacoa. Um, you know, I, I just think it's terrific and, and our carnitas. So I kind of bounce between a barbacoa bowl and a carnitas bowl. Um, I just think they're just spectacular. And what about some popular menu items? I tried earlier this year, your cauliflower rice, sort of a, a new rice substitute to be more keto friendly, I guess. Um, are we going to see that come back or was that popular? Yeah, that was, that was really popular and you will see us bring it back. Um, you know, we've done various innovations, right? Whether on the menu, um, you know, carne asada, uh, the cauliflower rice, we brought in a new Blanco queso. Um, so it's been really fun to be able to, uh, I think, extend the menu. Most recently, we did the quesadilla for our digital business. Um, and people, you know, find their favorites. Um, and we're always pushing ourselves. We want to be a leader in culinary. Um, as much as making sure that we're doing the right thing for culinary. And I guess any other um, upcoming menu items people should be looking out for this fall? You know, I, I think we've talked about, we've been testing this smoked brisket and uh, it's, it's really fabulous. Um, so it's gone through our innovation process. Um, it's validated. So, you know, I think in the not too distant future, we'll be bringing uh, smoked brisket out for everybody and give it a try. Well, that does sound pretty yummy. Ryan Nickel, thank you for joining Washington Post Live today. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Take care. 
As always, you can find more programming in our list of upcoming events at WashingtonPostLive.com. There is a great lineup for August, so whether you're at the beach or stuck in an office or a home office, there is a lot to delight, entertain, and inform you on Washington Post Live. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com dot com.